And now, presenting the Star of the Show podcast with your host, Delaney Swift. Hello, and welcome back to the Star of the Show podcast. I'm your host, Delaney Swift, and I'm really excited for today's episode. Today's episode, I have Macy Pfeiffer on the pod, and Macy and I are actually friends because of our, well, it's kind of an interesting story. Our moms are friends, but also her cousin Megan and I are friends. So my mom is like great friends with my friend Megan's mom and her sister, who is Macy's mom. And Macy, I just, I feel like I've known her for a long time, but we've really connected over just things that are a little bit like outside of the norm, like not wanting to work the typical nine to five and wanting to try new things and step outside the box. And I remember like three years ago now in 2020 at my mom's Christmas party, when Macy was telling me about potentially doing van life, leaving, I'm. this was around December, 2020. So she might've already had the van at that point or almost did and was just thinking about thinking about it. And now three years later, we've come so far or she's come so far. I don't know why I'm taking credit for it, but she's come so far and her story is so cool. And if you are looking to do van life, to travel, to become a digital marketer, to be a nomad and work remote or anything of the sort, or even if you're just looking to pivot in your career, in your lifestyle, you're afraid of change, or you're coming up against like a crossroads where you don't know which path to to take, this is a great episode for you because I think it encompasses all of those things. If you're someone who wants to do van life or does van life and wants to hear from someone who's doing it, this is the episode for you. But also if you're looking for just inspiration to try something new, to pivot, to just put yourself out there and gain more confidence and really face your fears. This is also a great episode for you. No matter what you're into, I still feel like you'll love listening to Macy's story. And I know I did. So with that, please welcome Macy Pfeiffer to the Star of the Show podcast. You're a tea girl, huh? I am. I gave up coffee last October, uh-huh. and I'll have it occasionally as like a little treat or something, but for mm-hmm. the most part, I can't do coffee anymore. <gasps> really? Because the yeah, caffeine? Yeah, it just would send my anxiety into overdrive. <laughs> I feel that, but it's like so like, hard for me to give up. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I kind of quit during – we were doing Sober October, and I don't know what. I was just in a quitting spree, so I gave up alcohol, and then I just didn't really think about coffee every morning, maybe because I wasn't, like, so tired and sluggish from the alcohol the night before. I didn't really feel such a need for it. Yeah. I was like, let me just test out what it's like going without coffee, and my boyfriend was like, Macy, you're a whole different person. Like, you are not anxious anymore, and I'm like, yeah, I feel great. Wow. Do you think it's because of the alcohol and the coffee? Um, I, I've reintroduced alcohol in like small amounts. Mm-hmm. I think it was just the coffee. Yeah. Because I could tell like I would just be like a little jittery all the time and I'd be talking to him. I'm like, I'm really anxious. I don't know about what, but I'm anxious. And I have not experienced that at all since quitting. That's so nice. It's yeah. so crazy how people's bodies are different. Like some people are sensitive to that and some people aren't. Like I think everyone has mm-hmm. probably like could – People, especially people who drink a lot of coffee could probably cut down a little bit, but like I I saw this TikTok that this girl was like, I just have a feeling that I'm allergic to coffee. My body is rejecting it. And she was like severely allergic and she was like, pray for me. Like oh I can't gosh. drink coffee anymore. Oh so. no. Was it coffee or like the caffeine? Because can you do decaf still? No. The coffee bean she was allergic to. <gasps> no, Isn't that so, sad? Because like decaf, so I feel like it'd be a nice treat. Yeah. You know? I'll do a decaf every now and then. Or like here, my friend has a little latte machine, however you make lattes. And she's like, you want a latte? And I was like, actually, I do because it's a weekend and I'm not stressed yet. So that's perfect. It's like, yeah, it's a nice little treat. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for for being here. I know it's like early your time. 
Oh, thank you for having me. I know. I mean, I'm, I work East Coast hours, so I'm so you're used to, it. to go at 7 a.m. every day. <laughs> wow, that's not bad. I feel like you get your day started. You know, it feels like mm-hmm. feels good to get going. At least it's so preferable. Honestly, I actually like it the most when I'm in Pacific time zone because then I'm done with work at like two two thirty, and I can go adventure or do whatever I want. So with the rest of your day, what time do you normally end when you are in Mountain Time? Um, like three or three thirty. If I take a lunch, that's not bad. I mean, yeah. I want to know like everything about like your work and everything, but yeah. I want to start at the beginning so people can get the full story. Okay. So, and it's so funny because I remember when you were at my like our, my mom's Christmas party. <laughs> yes. So like out because <laughs> that's what I kept thinking about leading up to this. Like literally, we so. For people who don't know, Macy and my mom are friends and like we are family friends. Her cousin Megan is like one of my best friends. We grew up together. I have known her since I was three. So like, you know, my mom has this Christmas party every year for like family friends that live in the area and Macy often comes with her mom and she was telling me of all about like wanting to leave and wanting to get out and wanting to, you know, do van life. I don't know. Like, where were you at at that point? Do you remember? I had just quit my job in Seattle. I don't remember if I bought the van at that point, though, because I quit in November of 2020. And then I came home for the holidays. And at that point, I think we were talking about influencing because I was like, I have no clue what I'm doing with my life. So I'm just going to fill my time trying to become a influencer and just Mm -hmm. see how that goes. Ultimately, it didn't pan out for me, (laughs) but um, there's still time. Yeah. You never know. Not a sustainability influencer. I think we're past that. (laughs) Van life kind of shot that in the foot. Um, But yeah, I just, I had, I was so lost. So if you ask, where were you at that time? I, I don't know. (laughs) I forgot about that. I forgot that you were in Seattle and then you came back home, right? Yeah. It was only supposed to be for like the month and a half between the holidays. And then I was going to move back into my sister's basement in Seattle and just try to figure it out. And at that point, were you thinking like, maybe I want to stay in Seattle or were you like, I want to go back to Seattle and like, that's the move for me. Or were you just still like, I don't know. I never had any intention of leaving Seattle if I could help it. Um, Interesting. Van life came up kind of last minute and changed it. (laughs) So did this idea come when you were staying with your mom or like what what sparked the Mm -hmm. whole idea? I had gone down the van life YouTube rabbit hole, I think probably like May or June of 2020, you know, peak of the pandemic. You have nothing else to do. I just remember I was like so stressed. I couldn't fall asleep at night. So I'd go down these rabbit holes and that's where I really was like, I want to do this. But I kept thinking, well, at some point, my job's going to require me to come back into office. So I was wishy-washy on it for a while. And my dad even did not want me to do it. So he was trying to talk me out of it. And he was like, I will help you buy property up in Washington or something instead. It's like, keep your feet on the ground or fly fly free. It's like complete opposites. He hated the idea. My mom was all for it. Um, but so his distraction worked for a few months and I kind of like stopped thinking about van life. And then I was home for the holidays. I was actually talking to two friends from high school. We were just catching up and my friend Sarah was like, yeah, Macy, like, remember when you were talking about moving into a van? And I was like, yeah, you're right. I kind of forgot about that actually. So that night I was like, let me just like go onto Craigslist and see what's available. But the van that I ended up buying was like the first one that I saw and it was exactly what I wanted. It was in the exact price point that I wanted and it was only 30 minutes away. It was in like Lakewood, Ohio. So I'm talking to my mom and I'm like, oh, what do I do? And she's like, just go see it. What's what's the harm? And so the next morning I go to see it and I pretty much buy it on the spot and I'm just looking at my mom and I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not ready to move into this full time. I don't have a game plan and I'm just kind of panicking, but like I give all the credit to my mom. She was just like, just figure it out as you go. Who cares? You can always sell the van if you want. Just buy it. It's a good deal. It's what you want. Go for it. So I did that. And then I figured out the rest as I went, um, including my income, because at that point I had no income. I had no, 
prospective income. So it was just a shot in the dark. Damn. So then what happens after that? And well, first, before you answer that, what are the criteria for like picking a van? Like, what are you looking for? What are the things that you are like you need in order to buy a van that has like good bones? My necessities were pretty minimal because I honestly thought I was just going to live in it for like a few months or something and just travel and have fun while things were locked down. And then, I don't know, in six months return to whatever normal life looked like at that time. Mm -hmm. So I knew I wanted something that was just small and simple that I could easily maneuver and get around. So I ended up going with a the 136-inch wheelbase ProMaster. So it's a, it's one of the shortest fans that you can get. Mm-hmm. And it just had like a fully built-out kitchen. It had an oven, fridge, a twin bed. And I was like, well, it's just me. So why not? It was kind of older. It's a 2014 with 100,000 miles on it. So I was able to afford it. But it also wasn't so run down that... I wasn't going to be able to maintain it right? because I am a solo female just traveling on my own and I know nothing about cars. <laughs> so Same. I'd be lost. Yeah. So I was like, it's the right size. And I, I think what actually got me was the aesthetic. I was like, this is very much so my aesthetic. Like it's white and clean and bright. Um, so I just went with it. And was it a female or a male that you bought it from? Like who was the person that was like – that owned this it was before? A, it was a male. And he made he like built this out, or he bought it like that. He he built it out. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it was just like white and natural wood. Though, yeah, so it could go either way. True. I I remember seeing like I, I I've seen photos and videos of you in it. Is it? Do you still own it? I do. And yeah, I'm still in it full time. I love it. So <laughs> then, whenever you you get home after you you bought the van, like what is running through your head? Are you like, okay, well now what? Like now I really want to start planning. What, like, does this, is this go time? Yeah. So I think I bought it December 20th and I was going to stay through the new year. So I I set January 5th as my launch date. Wow. And I, since I was in Ohio though, I had to drive my van out to Seattle to get all my stuff from my sister's house. Cause I only had what I needed to come home for the holidays. And and I just remember being really nervous to hit the road alone. And also my mom is like my go-to road trip buddy. I always played competitive volleyball growing up. So her and I would be driving all over the country. So it is something that we really love to do together. And she's like, well, what if I go with you out to Seattle? So my mom and I had this fun little mother-daughter road trip. We took off from Ohio, went down south through like Alabama, then cut across Texas and all that, and then came back up because it was dead of winter. So we had to avoid the the bad weather, but, um, having my mom there definitely helped me ease into it. And then I just got to my sister's house. My mom flew back to Ohio. I had a full breakdown at my sister's house (laughs) because I was just, I was terrified. And I definitely went through the question of what am I doing with my life? I should be, you know, staying on the career track and trying to figure out what's next for me there. But I just, I kind of was in too deep. I, I couldn't turn back. And so, From there, that first night, I remember I was like, I'm just going to go to a spot that I'm really familiar with. So I just went, I think, 45 minutes away from my sister's house and parked at this like pullout along the sound. And it was really great. I actually met my first friend there, George. I still keep in touch with him today. I'm like, I thought it was so hard to meet friends on the road. And here we are night one. It was almost, it was like one of his first nights on the road too. So I was very fortunate to meet someone that early on because... I, you know, got to camp with him for a few days and it really just settles your nerves when you know people. And now I know so many people, I cannot get away from van lifers if I tried, which is a really great problem to have. Yeah. So when you meet this, when you meet George and you're like, okay, like let's keep exploring, like where do you go? Um, He had to stick around the Washington area because he actually had like a job that he would report to occasionally. He was, I think he worked on, he works on boats or something. So they have a really weird schedule. So he was pretty constrained to that area, but we just went over to the peninsula for something for one campsite and just hung out for a few days. But ultimately my goal was to get down South to warmer weather. So I did end up parting ways with him and I did the whole coast of like the whole Pacific coast pretty much by myself. And that took me about a month and a half, I think. 
And then once I got down to San Diego is when I met my first like group of van folks. And I don't know, it's all just kind of gone from there. That's crazy. I feel like meeting him was probably like the best scenario because he was staying local and then it probably like even more so Mm -hmm. eased your way into it. And you're like, okay, like this is comfortable. I can do stuff locally. And then it kind of like gets you, gets you on your way. When you were doing Mm -hmm. that whole, like the, the month down the coast, were you feeling more confident? Were you feeling uneasy? Did it kind of come in waves? Like, What was the feeling then? I remember that whole coast of California just feeling lonely. I cried a lot. <laughs> I wouldn't say every single night, but just about. I remember sitting in Santa Cruz just crying as I watched the sunset and being so sad that I don't have anyone to share it with. So there, that was definitely like the biggest feeling that I had. And a part of the reason that I got into the van too was because I went through a breakup in April or May of 2020. And I just kind of was having a hard time getting over that. So I was like, this is just going to be me like separating from that part of my life and just, you know, finding myself, that whole thing. Um, So it was a really hard time. I was sad a lot. Um, And I was definitely, I was weirdly empowered because I was like, I'm scared right now. This is really scary. And yet I'm doing it and I'm meeting friends and I'm, you know, I went on my first hike alone ever in this point in time. And I was like, so proud of myself for that. Um, And so I did a lot. I challenged myself when I was going through Pebble Beach. So um, pretty. I love it there. It's gorgeous. I did that. Oh, 17 mile drive. 17 mile drive. Yeah. Thank you. So I did that. And then someone told me like, oh, you have to go eat on the, what is it? Shoot. Like the last tea or whatever. There's this place where you can go eat on the golf course. And I was like, well, I don't want to miss out on that just because I'm alone. So I just got really comfortable with going to restaurants by myself. And, um, that requires a lot of confidence <laughs> to do that, especially when there's like a bird trying to steal your food. And so people are looking at you and I was like, this is awful, but own it. So here we are. Um, so I gained a ton of confidence in that time. I was definitely on edge. I was worried to ever leave my van, ever go too far from it. So I was kind of like a little bit of a, a hermit, but I definitely pushed myself a lot in that time. And I mean, I'm so happy I did it. It was not easy. It's not the glorious fan life that people think it is. Yeah. But it's what I needed at that point in time. Yeah. I almost feel like everyone should have to spend time alone in their lives, like on purpose. Mm -hmm. They don't have, not everyone has to go and like live out of a van, but I feel like people should do like a solo trip or like just get comfortable being alone because. I I don't really know, like I've never really done anything like that necessarily, but I feel like I'm very comfortable alone now. I almost like prefer it sometimes. And Mm -hmm. like when things are awkward like that, like you were saying like the bird example, like the other day at a workout class, I like showed up and I brought a mat to this like hot Pilates class and like everyone already had mats, like they had mats for you to use. And I walked in with Mm -hmm. the mat, like put mine down. Everyone was like looking at me because it was like five people in the class. And I was just like, oh, and like just rolled it back up and like put it over, like just wasn't embarrassed at all or like tried just to not be embarrassed. And like the instructor kept like giving me extra care because I was like the only new person in the class. And it was, it would have been like really embarrassing. My old self, Mm -hmm. like would have been like, oh, please don't pay any attention to me. Right. Uh, I don't know. There's just like a couple of little things in the class where I would normally be mortified. And that's like such a small example, but if you get comfortable being alone and like almost feeling uncomfortable or out of your comfort zone and making a fool of yourself, then it just makes it like makes you gain more confidence by proxy. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So when was the point that you feel like you started to have a shift where like, okay, I got this. I'm in more of a flow. I'm not as lonely anymore. I feel better about where I'm at? Like, was there a a turning point? Definitely. Once I hit San Diego, I was coming, I guess I, so I put myself out there when I was coming into San Diego and talking about, you know, gaining that confidence. And I, at this point really hadn't seen anyone or like known anyone in quite a while. And I did early on in my van life, I started following people that were also in vans on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I saw, there was this one guy who was also from Seattle, had just moved into a van. So I was like, cool, like somewhat of a mutual connection. So I had been following him for like a month 
And when I got into San Diego, I saw that he had been there with a group of people. And so I just slid into his DMs and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm rolling into San Diego. Do you have any camp spot recommendations for me? And he just said, you know, come camp with us. We've got a whole group in this parking lot. It was very much so not a campsite. We were city dwelling and just a whole group of vans, which is uh, now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, how did we get away with that? But it was COVID, so no one really cared. And so I roll up to this little van gathering all by myself. And it is the same feeling of like the bird, you know, it's like, I want to just shell up and hide in my little hole, but like, that's not going to benefit me in the situation. I have to just be confident. And so I just parked my van. I like took a few breaths and then I just like got out and I started introducing myself to people and they were so nice. It was like at least 15 people, I think. A lot of them I still keep in touch with. And that was really the turning point because once you know even just one person, it's kind of like a snowball effect and you get to know more and more people. But that was my first exposure to van life with a group of other van lifers and we rented one wheels and we rode around San Diego on one wheels for a day and we had a 4th of July party. And so I finally found that aspect that I was missing and that's community. And that is still to this day why I've been able to live in the van for two and a half years. Um, finding that community is so important. And yeah, that I, I feel very fortunate that I found it so early on in van life. It takes people a long time sometimes. So I didn't have to suffer alone for too long. <laughs> yeah. But do you feel like you almost, you experienced that so early on because you were alone? Like, I feel like if people did it with like started with their partners or something like that, or a friend, then sometimes it's like you lean on that person. Like you're not alone. So yeah. you don't have to put yourself out there as much. Yeah, I would say so. I think it definitely takes couples a little longer to find that community just because they don't feel that urgency or that need to meet people. Right. And I feel like people that are also like living the same lifestyle are probably so open to meeting people doing the same oh, thing yeah. because it's yeah. like we just get each other this con instant connection. Is that kind of yes. like what you feel like? <laughs> yep. Everyone is like so welcoming to other van folks or bus folks or, or whatever it might be. But yeah. there is definitely an instant connection with pretty much anybody. And it could be like, you know, a 50 year old man or a 19 year old girl or whatever. And you all have this one thing in common and mm -hmm. yeah. And everyone needs to eat dinner tonight. So let's just have a potluck dinner and Aww. get to know each other. I love that. What yeah. has been like some of the, like the craziest stories that you can think of? Is there anything like crazy that comes to mind of like, I can't believe this happened? There's one like crazy. So there's one like scary crazy, but then there's one just like kind of crazy, like where you really think, what, what am I doing with my life? But the one like just kind of funny, crazy thing that comes to mind, I was, I spent last summer up in Montana and I was on a friend's property. Mm -hmm. They had a large cabin there and I was working for the day. And so I was just, it was very hot. I was sitting there with my sliding door open and I'm sitting in bed, just like typing away on my computer and I have to work in silence. So um, I'm all alone on this property. My boyfriend was out for the day, um, which I now have a boyfriend. I did not start with a boyfriend, so that might be a little confusing. And I'm just like working away and I feel my van shift and I'm like, what was that? And I like poke my head up and there's a black bear. <gasps> trying to get into my sliding door van. Like he's like ready to come up in. And I just was like, oh my God. And I just remember they're like, just like yell, make noise. And so I'm just like, bear, 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 bear. Like I just start yelling bear at it because I don't know what else to do. And fortunately I had one back door that was open at the time. So if I needed to, I was able to escape out the back door. Um, but it was just a black bear, not a grizzly bear. So, and I think it was pretty young. So I just scared it off. But that was kind of like the one situation where I was just like, what? <laughs> like, what am I doing? Couldn't you just like get in the front seat and start driving though? Or were you, No, it? because the bear would be in between me and the front seat. Because my bed is in the very back of the van. Oh. There's like bed back here, sliding door here, and then driver's seat up here. Like, was it so. in, like almost in your van? No, I think it had put like a paw up or something to get in. And that was the shift that I felt. And then it realized that I was there. And it was it was kind of cute because 
I don't know. I love black bears a little bit, but yeah. he like throws and he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize anyone was home. Aww. And then just like scampered off. So it was fine. I wasn't really in any eminent danger, but, but still. Just things, so, and maybe if you're from Montana, you're like, okay, Macy, that's not that crazy. That happens all the time. Yeah. But for me being from Ohio, I was like, ah, <laughs> like you never expect to actually come that close to one. I feel no. like. Yeah, no, definitely that, not. That's crazy. So what are, and what would you say are like some of the like biggest challenges that you've had to like face like logistically for someone who is like okay I want to start I want to mm-hmm. I want to do the damn thing I want to travel the world I want to buy a van what are like the biggest challenges logistically that people can expect the biggest challenge is definitely figuring out how you're going to fund it and I've funded my travels in like so many different ways um whether you work up front and then live off of savings. I got an in-person job over the summer one, uh, like two summers ago, I think. I guess qualifies as seasonal work. It wasn't really a seasonal job, but I made it to be that so. And then just random gig work or what I've landed on full-time, fully remote work, Mm -hmm. which comes with a whole bunch of extra set of challenges that I've had to figure out in the past year. So I'd say funding it. What's the like living situation, like, like thinking about going to the bathroom and, Mm. you know, making your living space comfortable, cooking, just like, what are those logistics? Like what can people expect? Yeah. I would say the bathroom situation is always the most complex. You adjust to cooking and stuff pretty easily. You adjust to the really small fridge. Like I just have a tiny chest fridge. Mm -hmm. Um, the bathroom though, (laughs) It's always fun. I do have a toilet in my van. I first started off with the cassette toilet, which is um, a glorified plastic bucket that you pour like chemicals into that breaks it all down. And um, yeah, I didn't love that method. So (laughs) after about a year, I threw that away. And (laughs) now I just have a bucket with a trash bag and kitty litter. And some people might be so appalled by that, but honestly, it is one of the nicer, neater ways to go. Um, and then for going number one, you just go outside. I'm dispersed camping all the time, so I'll just pop a squat outside. Yeah. And then for showers, my first two years on the road, I had a Planet Fitness membership. So I would just go there for showers, which is really nice. But it also means that you have to stay near cities with Planet Fitnesses. Now, because... I temporarily got off the road for like two and a half months thinking it would be more long-term, but now I'm back on the road and my partner and I just decided we didn't really want to sign up for a Planet Fitness membership again. So we just shower off the back of his van with like a propane water heater shower thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went about a month and a half without an indoor shower. <laughs> so so you definitely, it's definitely going to push you outside of your comfort zone, but also it just seems normal to me at this point. Like I'm out in nature, I'm hiking. We're all just like a little dingy and dirty, yeah. but we're not trying to impress anyone. You know, we're not exactly going to try to walk into some five-star resort tomorrow. Right. <laughs> and yeah, you just acclimate to it and it becomes like second nature. Yeah. I I remember like when I was hiking out in like the Tetons and like, just in Montana, Wyoming area, it's almost like the air, like even if you're hot and sweating, you don't feel like sticky and nasty. And I feel like you, like we camped like pretty the whole time that we were there, we didn't stay in a hotel. And mm-hmm. I think I was there for like a week and then my mom and Mike were there for like three weeks. When we were there, we were camping and it was like, I don't know, I didn't feel dirty after mm-hmm. a while. Like it felt great to have a shower at the end, but also if I go outside for a 20-minute walk in Florida, I'm instantly like, I need a, an hour-long shower. Yeah. It's just yeah. different. So it's like, I feel like you just get used to it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely do. Okay. So you have a boyfriend now. How did you guys meet? We met um, at a – it was like an official van life gathering called mm-hmm. Schooly Palooza. Mm-hmm. I guess we met right after. Mm-hmm. But where that is was it? where – it's in Arizona – um, it's hosted every, I think February. Another instance where I, you know, I had long gone on from that San Diego crew. So I'm kind of back on my own. And just another instance where I knew one person at this event and they were like, Hey, here are the coordinates. And I just had to roll up with confidence again. 
And so I met all my now friends that I still continue to travel with today. And he was a part of the group, kind of not really. And I actually think we never really talked at Schoolie Palooza. I think we really met afterwards, like a event or a small gathering in Sedona. And I roll up to this campsite and I had this like issue with my spare tire mechanism. And so basically I just ended up carrying around my spare tire in my van, in my living space for like what ended up being four months. And so I come up to this campsite and he always just says, the first thing I remember is you just throwing your tire out your sliding door and just being like, oh my God, another one of these crazy chicks or whatever. And it was not immediate. We just, we were caravanning together for months actually, and just became really good friends. And then it very slowly evolved from there. That's crazy. And when was this? Like then you guys first met? This was February 2022. And do you feel like, were you looking at that point? Were you even thinking about it? No. I was just seeing somebody like, you know, kind of casually. Mm-hmm. Um, we had been talking for a few months right before I got to the Schooly Palooza event. And I actually, I like left his house in California to go to Schooly Palooza. And, and I just, it, it wasn't heartbreak, but I was definitely like, oh, that's a bummer that, you know, he's there and I'm in the van and it didn't work out. And so I did not have my sights set on like trying to meet somebody at that point. I feel like it always works out that way. Do you think that Um, like, I mean, obviously you probably have like a great connection because you have this in common, but like, like say you met someone that wasn't even doing van life. It wasn't even on their radar. Like, do you think that you would have a strong, like of a connection with them? Or like, is this like something so special because it's, I don't know, it's unique to you guys, you know? Yeah, I I definitely think it's hard for house people to connect and resonate with van people. So it definitely was harder. Like the guy that I was seeing before, he loved the idea of the van and he was yeah. like, I would love to do that and I'd love to build out vans. And so like, this is awesome. But he just wasn't in a position to do it and he didn't ever get to experience it. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Daniel, my boyfriend. Oh my God, are we both dating Daniels? Yes, we are. I realize that. <laughs> Uh, Daniel goes by lefty a lot, but I just call him Daniel. Oh my God, that's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's just, we just built such a genuine friendship because Mm -hmm. you're talking about like a bathroom, a funny bathroom story that happened to you or something embarrassing that happens on the road or like all these things. You you just get to know people in general way quicker on the road Mm -hmm. um, because you have to like shower together or something weird like that. Yeah. yeah, I think I think had Daniel and I met in real life, absolutely not. We would have never dated. Yeah. But because we have all these shared experiences and backgrounds, it just it works. And that is the beauty of life, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right place, right time. Exactly. <laughs> okay, I want to talk about your career because obviously mm-hmm. when you were in Seattle, you were doing something completely different than what you're doing mm-hmm. now, right? Right. And I've been seeing all of your content on TikTok and I love it. And I feel like it could help so many people. So what was that shift for you? Tell the story of like how you got to where you are with your current career. Yeah. So I was in a sales position in Mm -hmm. Seattle. I was working for a staffing agency in like scientific sales. So I was having to call up biotech scientists, HR people all day, every day. And I hated it. I knew I hated it from like my second month in, but everyone tells you, you have to do the whole two years Mm -hmm. right after school. And so for two years, I dreaded waking up every single morning. I cried every single week because of work. I honestly do not know how I lasted two years in that job. I don't even know it because as you're explaining it, I'm like, two years seems like a long time. (laughs) Very long time. And I was, and you know, like my relationships fell apart because of it and all this stuff. So I tried every single thing I could to make it work. I was doing all the meditation and the therapy and the card pulling and the exercise and like everything. And I was still just miserable out of my mind, but I felt so stuck. And I, because I have a degree in chemistry. So even this was like a big pivot for me. And I just remember thinking, what am I going to do? I have a a degree in chemistry and I have a background in sales now. 
and I want nothing to do with sales. And so for the longest time, I just felt so, so stuck until I was just like, what, what do I want to do? And I realized that in my current job, I was gravitating towards the marketing tasks and I really enjoyed working with the marketing team. And so I just thought, well, that's a lead. I don't know if that's where I want to go, but it's a start. And I started researching it more and I was realizing like, oh, digital marketing is really easy to be remote for. And Mm -hmm. I was like, well, okay, let's start thinking what lifestyle, what do I want my life to look like? Not necessarily my job because I'm not gung-ho on any one career. And I just knew I wanted it to be remote and have that flexibility because I had, you know, already thought about van life. And I was like, if that's what I want to do, I want the option to do that. My mom, again, my mom coming in clutch. (laughs) Everyone needs one like, like yours. Truly. Truly. Uh, She sends me a link to a digital marketing certificate course from the University of Washington. It was wild because um, applications closed in like three days or something. Like it was at the deadline and she had sent it to me just in time. And it was like a eight or nine month course, I think. And I was like, Damn, Why not? What, do I, what do I have to lose? Yeah. So I applied for it and I started taking the course while I was still in my sales job. And thank God I was because I think that gave me like a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel when it came time to leave my sales job kind mm-hmm. of prematurely. Did you have to pay tuition for the cl- for the cl- course? Yeah. So it was $4,000. So I was like, okay, it's a solid investment. Where I want to see this through, but it's not a four-year degree that I have to go back and get. So I was happy to do it. Yeah. And I think I started that in October and then come November, <laughs> it's just, oh, this brings me back to such dark times. It was in, no, actually this is the very end of October because I think I quit like first couple of days of November. My manager calls me on a Thursday and he uh-huh. goes, Hey Macy, people have noticed that your performance is slipping. And when I tell you, but like I, at this point I was like, I can't believe it took you this long to catch on because yeah. I have been so numb and frozen for the past six months. I truly have not been doing work. Like I have sent a couple emails every day, but beyond that, I... I just was incapable of doing my job and I was shocked. It took people that long to really catch on, but I was just trying to kill time until I figured out what I wanted to do next. Mm -hmm. And so he tells me this on a Thursday. I take the next Friday off as like a mental health day because I'm having an absolute panic attack that now they're on to me. And the whole weekend, I am just hyping myself up to quit. I'm like, you have to quit. You have to do it. You have to do it. And I was ready to go. And then Sunday night rolls around and I'm like, you know what? We don't have to quit tomorrow. Like we could, we could do it Tuesday or something. And then what did you say to your manager at this point? Were you like, um, I'm sorry. Or were you like defending yourself? I, I don't even remember on it. I, I don't think I talked to him. I think I was just like, I'm taking the day off. Like, yeah. I like <laughs> I okay, I, I don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> yeah. I panicked. I immediately called a coworker who like lived on the East coast and was like hyperventilating to him for like an hour. Mm-hmm. And, and then Monday morning rolls around and I wake up to an email from my manager and it's a performance improvement plan. Oh God. And so I have two weeks to hit these crazy, insane metrics that are hard to hit kind of during like normal times. And this is the middle of a pandemic when mm-hmm. people were having hiring freezes all over. So I just knew, I was like, there's no way I'm going to make, make these metrics. I, even if I could, I don't want to. Yep. And for my response, so I called him as a response to that. And it was just like, a, hey, I don't think this is working out for either of us. And I don't remember exactly how it went, but I do remember him tearing up a little bit because he was like, I'm just, he was like, I'm impressed. I've never thought to do anything other than sales. And and I just told him, I was like, this isn't it for me. I don't know what I want to do, but I want to go find what I really want to do. And so wow, that that's a brave thing to say. Good for you. Thank you. And I had to tell all my managers and bosses that because of course they're like, well, you know, where are you going? It's like, well, nowhere now. I don't, I don't know yet. So that was, I quit on November 4th, 2020, no, November 3rd. 2020. So I was like, cool, I'm quitting my job in the middle of a global pandemic and there's a presidential election going on tomorrow and who knows what we're going to end up with in office. So the whole time I was just like, what, what am I doing? This is like, my world is falling apart. I'm so lost and confused, but the stress of not knowing what I was going to do was nothing in compared to the stress of waking up for a job that I hated every day. Mm-hmm. I just remember telling myself, I can either 
make this scary leap now when I'm 24 years old, or I can try to make this career work and then be in my mid thirties or forties and finally accept that, okay, this is not for me. Yeah. And then it's that much harder to make the leap. So I just remember thinking like, the earlier I do it, the easier it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy I only did, I only t- stuck it out for two years, even though it seemed like a long time. Yeah. And I, I know. I honestly feel like that is such a brave move. And like there's a lot of people that sometimes I find myself being like, oh, my God, should I have just, you know, never quit my, my previous job? Should I have never tried to start my own company or be an entrepreneur? Or should I never have tried like X, Y, and Z? But then I'm like, no, I'm proud of myself for ever even trying because Mm -hmm. it's better to try and then try again than never try at all and always wonder. And like your mental health is not worth staying at some place that you're absolutely miserable, especially when you know it's Mm -hmm. just not what you want to do. And I think that that's like the beauty of being young is like trying things and knowing I don't like this and like being able Mm -hmm. to move into something else and seeing if that works better for you. And sometimes it's an endless cycle, but. (laughs) Yes. But you're trying. And I feel that same way too. Like with starting this new TikTok account, I just kept thinking like, I don't know. But then I was like, I'm going to be so mad at myself if I don't at least try. So the worst that can happen is I fail or I give up. Actually, the worst that can happen is I give up. Yeah. Um, We Let's be accountability partners because I don't want you to give up. I think that your content is great. I think people are really going to latch onto it. And even if you pivot after like six months, a year, whenever, and you're doing different things, mm-hmm. like you still have like a very unique perspective. And I think that people are really going to like w- want to know more about your life. So we'll be each other's accountability, accountability okay. partners and we're, Duncan. we're not going to give up. Well, and to, actually really when I started it and I'm getting off topic from your original conversation, it's so okay. I will loop back to how my career has gotten to this point. <laughs> um, but when I was thinking about it, I honestly was thinking about you and I was just like, it even this doesn't have to be the end all be all. Like Delaney pivots and she's not afraid to pivot. And that is her strength. And what's ultimately going to lead to her success is that she's not giving up. And, you know, whether it was like Happy Scampers or now this podcast or something, like you're trying and you're putting it like this is not easy stuff to do. You're putting yourself out there. And I just, I applaud your bravery so much. And I was like trying to channel that myself. Thank you so and, much. Um, so yeah, so we can absolutely be accountability partners. And I will share, I think I heard this on a Mel Robin podcast. I don't know if it was her who said it or mm-hmm. she was just quoting Love someone, her. but she said me too. Oh, she said, you are only allowed to quit after you hit a success. So yeah. like once you hit your first sale or something, like that's when you're allowed to quit. And of course you're never going to want to quit at that point. You're going right. to be like high off of that success. So that's kind of the motto that I'm going off of. My -hmm. brother is like, you shouldn't even have success in your vocabulary. Like that's already a problem. So he disagrees with that, but whatever works for you (laughs) is what you got to go with. And I think too, it's really hard to keep going when you're not seeing traction or when you're not seeing Mm -hmm. the results that you want, even if it's just like a little blip, like it's really hard to keep going when it's all you. And yeah. you have to like really latch on to like the little pieces of feedback that you get or like the little pieces of like happy, like this is working, this feels good, this feels in flow because mm-hmm. that's what's going to keep you going. And I think too, and like we'll loop it back around, but like mm-hmm. I think that too with being online is really hard because everyone can see it. Sarah yeah. Blakely, do you know who that is? This founder of Spanx? Yes. So she is now on TikTok and she was talking about how when she first started Spanx, she like didn't tell anyone her idea for like the first year because mm-hmm. when you tell other people your idea, you like open up feedback, like the room for feedback. And mm-hmm. it's almost, it like does you a detriment because you give room to people to poo-poo your idea and right. dulls your, the, the sparkle that you have about this like idea and the excitement that you have. It's hard when you're online because when you're doing a podcast or when you're posting about, you know, band life online, everyone can see that or they have the ability to see that if they want to. So you're really putting yourself out there in a very open way to receive a lot of criticism. Oftentimes the things that we think people are saying are worse than like what they're actually saying because no one's really telling that to our faces. Right. And so whenever I hear anything that like makes me feel a little bit insecure about it, I'm like, I'm just going to keep going because these people are not in places that I actually want to be one day. So like, why would I ever take their feedback? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know? 
Yeah, that was something that I had to get over too with starting this TikTok. I because all my coworkers follow me on Instagram, and I knew I was like, you know what, I have a foundation on Instagram, and it's going to be best for me to let people know over there that I have this new TikTok. And I just remember thinking, like, I really wish I could just hide this from my coworkers because I'm talking about the work that we all do in our day to day lives, mm-hmm. and they're all way more experienced at it than I am. Like I am junior at my company, and like my manager, Sydney, she teaches me everything that I need to know. And so now I'm like going and passing on the information that she's pretty much teaching me. So I was just feeling imposter syndrome of like, really like Sydney should be the one doing this. She should be the one creating this platform. But if she doesn't want to do that, then who says that I can't or whatever. And I'm so happy that I was just like, whatever, they're going to find out eventually. And I posted it and they were all so supportive actually. And like my manager was like, I'm so proud of you. I want to share it to my story, but I didn't know if that'd be weird. And so she's, (laughs) so she's, I love her. She's the best. I love you, Sydney. I'm sure you're going to watch this Um, (laughs) or listen to this, but, and that was just a really cool feeling of like, I could have gotten in my own way because I thought that they'd all think it's stupid. And maybe they do think it's, you know, a little lame or whatever, but they're not saying it and they're going to be supportive. And in this beginning stage, it might be like a little, okay, where are you going with this? While I try to find my footing, but eventually if I stick with it, then like it could be something really cool. Then they'll all be jealous and they'll be like, why didn't I do that? (laughs) Yeah. But guess what too? Are any of them living in a van? Did any of them graduate with a degree in chemistry, go into sales and then get a, Mm -hmm. a digital marketing certification? I don't think so. So you're coming at it from like your unique perspective. It doesn't matter where Mm -hmm. you're at with your knowledge base. Like you're coming at it from like a place of I pivoted in my career, in my life. Like I have this very unique perspective and quite frankly, not as many people want to hear from people that are like living out the normal trajectory of, you know, a career. And I'm not saying that like I, I still find that interesting, but you have your unique perspective because you're you and that's what people mm-hmm. are going to ultimately be like attracted to. So that's what makes you special. Thank you. <laughs> so, okay. So how did it work from the time that you, you left mm-hmm. your previous job? What transpired between then and, and now? Yeah. So I left my job, was living off of savings and I was still taking this digital marketing course. Mm-hmm. And so I was just, I was in the van traveling around full time. So for six months, just kind of doing whatever. I was like, I'm going to take advantage of this free time. And then six months after I quit my job, I actually got a call from a company that I had applied to several months before quitting my sales job for a marketing lead position at a retail store. And they're like, hey, we have this position opened up and we just remembered you from the first time that you applied. We were wondering if you were interested. And I was like, whoa, here I am thinking I'm going to have to figure out what I want to do and I have to go find work. And it really just fell right into my lap. Like it came to me. Serendipity. I like to think I manifested it. 100%. (laughs) And so I was just like, cool. Yeah, it was for Arcteryx. So an outdoor brand. So it was like just a really, yeah. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. I I loved it. Um, It was like, it was definitely an entry level marketing role because I was like a retail sales floor person half the week. And then I did marketing the other half. So I was like, I'll take what I can get at this point. Where was that? That was up in Seattle. Okay. So I spent the summer living in my van working at Arcteryx, which was fine. It worked out logistically. And I just really did not like the retail side of it. And also winter was coming around and I was like, I can't live in my van in Washington in the winter because I don't have a heater or anything and it's just not comfortable. And so they talked about transferring me down to their LA location or something like that. But then I was like, yeah, but then summer is going to come and I'm going to want to move. So I just decided ultimately it's still my dream to be nomadic mm-hmm. and to be able to work remotely. And so I was like, I've Hail Mary quit a job before. I can do it again. <laughs> and so I did it again. And from then I was like, okay, well, I got to find some sort of income. And I hopped onto Facebook groups. Um, actually, Basecamp Outdoors specifically is like oh, chef's kiss. If you want a job in the outdoor industry, go there. But I just started posting that I was available for freelance work and I picked up several clients um, over a few months and I freelanced for, I think it was seven, eight months, something like that. And I think I was breaking even. I wasn't exactly putting money away into savings. Right. 
I also, I really didn't like working for myself. I have always been kind of like a team player or something. So I was just like, this works kind of lonely. And I'm just starting in my marketing career. I really want someone that I can learn from. Mm-hmm. And so I had that in the back of my mind. I was applying for full-time jobs, interviewing, and then never hearing back, the typical stuff. And then in, I think it was June of last year, June 2022, my engine gave out on my van and it was $6,000 for a new engine. And I just remember thinking, oh crap, like I have to get a job now. And so I just started talking to like friends and family about it. I was like, if does anyone know of any openings or whatever? And Daniel, who was not, I was not seeing him at the time, um, but he was like, yeah, I've got a buddy who runs a like company that involves a marketing department. It's like a marketing agency type thing. And so he got me introduced to them and it was for a position that I was not remotely qualified for at all. It was on the paid media side of things. And I had only ever done organic social media management but I just got into the interview and I just said I'm really eager to learn and I've tried a bunch of different things and I know that this is the direction that I want to go in and like I want to find a company where I can stay long term and grow and develop. And so they really took a chance on me and they hired me and they've made me into the marketer that I am today, which I'm so grateful for. And like I think at the time I just felt, oh my God, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky that my friend knew this person. I'm so lucky that they're willing to bring me on. But it's also at the end of the day, personal networking is so important for getting a job. Like that's a good way to go. And also it shows how important interview skills are. Rock it with confidence and show that you're eager to learn and get after it and you can get the job. I don't know. So that's just how I managed to make it work. Absolutely. When, when was this? That was July of last year. Damn girl. That is insane. (laughs) And I'm proud of you. Thank you. So I'm at about my one year anniversary with them almost. Oh my gosh. Time flies. It feels like I've been there for like a month, which is crazy because thinking back to my sales job, I was like a shell of a human by this point. And here I'm like, cool, like what skills am I going to learn next and how are we going to grow and stuff? So, And it's so nice because I really did feel like there was never going to be a job that made me happy Mm -hmm. and fulfilled. And I don't know if you're someone who feels like that too. Like there is something that you will enjoy doing. Yeah. Just requires trial and error to figure it out, but there's hope. There's hope, even when it doesn't feel like it. I know. (laughs) God, I felt so hopeless, but here we are. Here we are. Um, Okay, I want to ask you one more thing before we get into the rapid fire questions. Okay. So for anybody who wants to do van life, who wants to really go for it, what is one piece of advice that you would give for someone looking to do the same thing? You just have to go for it. Like that is as cliche as that sounds. You just have just buy the van and then figure out everything else. Figure out how you're going to sell your stuff, how you're going to end your lease or sublease your apartment early, how you're going to find remote work. Like there is always ways to figure it out. You just have to kind of push yourself off the ledge because that is the number one thing that gets in everyone's way. Like, well, what about this? What about this? You figure it out. There are so many people that I know on the road. None of us knew what we were doing before we got into it. And we have... It's like that analogy where you just take off on the plane and you fix the plane as you're flying. Like (laughs) that's truly the only way to do van life. So yeah. My therapist always says, choose what option gives you more anxiety and like go towards that because you have like you have Mm -hmm. to face your fears. You like get more comfortable with it as you go. Yeah. Yeah. And if you buy a van and realize this isn't going to work, just sell the van. There's always a way out. And and as my grandpa says... (laughs) (laughs) He used to say like everything is temporary. Like there's always a way out of every situation. So yeah. Okay. Rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Number one, what is your favorite comfort show? Friends. Okay. That's, I feel like that's a good one. I feel like that's everyone's, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, There's only only been one other person that said friends, but that, I mean, how could it not be a comfort show, you know? Yeah. It's so good. Okay. Number two, what's your guilty pleasure? Oh, like the Kardashians and the Bachelorette. Oh, 100%. Which I feel like the, I feel like the Bachelor and Bachelorette, that's like, that's common, but the Kardashians, absolutely my guilty pleasure. Oh yeah. I love reality TV. Yeah. My guilty pleasure for sure. Okay. A pop culture moment that shaped you. 
I don't know. I don't know if anything's like really shamey. Like I remember Michael Jackson dying and being like, oh, that's kind of wild. But like – I remember I that know. too. I remember I was in the Outer Banks with my um, friends, like staying at my friend's like timeshare in, in the Outer Banks. Or wait. No, it was Hilton Head. Anywho, it was like it happened and then we were watching his music videos play all night on MTV in honor of him. You know what? Actually, maybe I feel like when Kobe Bryant died because that was – like right, was right before the pandemic or something, mm-hmm. and right at the end of my relationship, and that's I just I never really knew much about Kobe, but it shook me to my core, and I was kind of like, life's too short, <laughs> so yeah. you never know when your time is going to come. So I guess I'd say that that, that one's crazy too. Yeah, I actually found out about Kobe Bryant when I was working at my old company in private aviation, and we were having like a static event where basically they like come and bring planes to in airports that like prospective owners can look at the planes and like tour them and we saw it on the news from this little fbo where you know like this a small little airport for private aviation and i was like oh my gosh kobe bryant just died and we are seeing it on the news it's like the most unsettling place to find out the Mm -hmm. news about like a helicopter (laughs) crash like when you're showing private jets it's like (laughs) i promise they're safe with this one yeah oh no that is awful (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay, moving on. (laughs) All right. How would someone describe you if your life was a movie and you were the main character? I don't know. I'm just like so chill, go with the flow. I'm kind of like, yeah, like, yes, man, or whatever. I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's do this. Let's do that. Whatever. Yeah, you're like Jim Carrey and yes, man. Yeah. It's Jim Carrey, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like there are so many – you're just like – bubbly and sunshiny very like yeah go with the flow free-spirited I feel like it's hard for people to answer that question because it's about themselves but yeah I I hate questions like describe yourself I'm like I don't know we got to be nice to ourselves you know yeah okay last one is something that you're currently obsessed with whether it's like a show a book a movie, music, whatever it is, food. I feel like I'm in between obsessions because I just finished finished Ted Lasso, which mm-hmm. I was absolutely obsessed with. What about, what about <laughs> your tea? Oh, tea. Yeah, chai tea, actually. Yeah, chai tea. And like with a little bit of honey and some milk. Oh, it's so good. Actually, I will say I'm obsessed with like handmade mugs to go with the whole team, tea theme. Gotta have an aesthetic tea. Do you bring your mugs in when you're staying at your friend's apartment? I don't. This is my friend's actually, but I just grabbed it because I'm like cute. <laughs> um, but I have four. Actually, technically only three of them are handmade. Um, but I brought them in my van because I'm like, I'm not. I can't live without these. So I think I remember one. It's like white speckled. Mm-hmm. With like a black triangle. Yep. I have two white speckled ones. One's just like a plain white speckle. The other one's a black triangle. Yeah. I remember from like, your content. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was like my theme when we trying to grow a following. You know, you have to have that one consistent thing. And yeah. mine was pouring coffee every morning. And I, I don't it. drink coffee, so. Well, maybe we can help each other. You can help me out with marketing, apparently, because you know everything about the consistency on social media and having yeah. a thing. I love it. All right, yeah. pimp yourself out. Tell people where they can find you and content about fan life, about becoming a digital marketer, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow me on my personal page for van life content at it's Macy Reed, include the it's my marketing platform is Macy Reed marketing. I am primarily on TikTok for that. I do have an Instagram started. I honestly, that we are in such the early phases. I haven't even figured out how to remove the watermark from TikTok to get it over onto Instagram, but that's coming if you want to give me a follow on Instagram too, but TikTok is where I'm mostly active right now. Snaptick. Go to snaptick.com. Copy the link from your TikTok on the video and then paste it in Snaptick and then you'll save it, download it, go to your downloads and save it. It's like takes two seconds. I do it on every single one. Okay, perfect. Because I do know, I'm like, I got to get over to Instagram so I can do a link in bio because I am working on a ebook and stuff of just kind of if you're looking to get into digital marketing, how to do it and some resources mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I'm trying to get that live, but TikTok has the annoying 1000 subscriber barrier before you can do that. Oh, so. I know. They're so annoying like that. Oh. 
this is really my first time getting into TikTok. I do t- like I manage clients TikTok ads, but I've never actually personally delved into it. And I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> it is. And like, it's honestly a learning curve when you're first posting on TikTok. Like, yeah, I, I felt like a fish out of water at first. Yeah. I accept that I have no clue what I'm doing, but I was like, whatever. I just got to post every day, no matter what. <laughs> exactly. Just got to be consistent. Well, thank mm-hmm. you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. If you are loving the podcast, please, please leave a rating and review and tell others what you're loving about the show. It really helps grow the podcast and helps me create more content for you. If you have suggestions for the pod or questions you'd like me to answer, you can always email staroftheshowpod at gmail.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next Wednesday.